extract from the book of Joel, and this is the third chapter, the nations judged, and this is God speaking to Joel. In those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will enter into judgment against them concerning my inheritance, my people Israel. For they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my lands. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine that they might drink. Now, what have you against me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all you regions of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and carried off my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks, that you might send them far from their homeland. See, I am going to rouse them out of the places to which you sold them, and I will, and I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. The Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of sun and moon will be darkened. The stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thudder from Jerusalem. The earth and the sky will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Blessings for God's people. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. On that day, the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. But Egypt will be desolate, Edom a desert waste, because of the violence due to the people, done to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem through all generations. Their blood guilt, which I have not pardoned, I will pardon. The Lord dwells in Zion. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christine. Some quite hard stuff in there. Isn't there? Good luck in <laughs> unpacking that for us. But reminding me really of, of God's lordship, of his power, of his justice. That's the God that we worship. Uh, and our next hymn reminds us of that. The Lord is King, lift up your voice. So please again stand as you're able as we sing together. take a seat again and invite Bill to come up um, so let's pray for Bill and for ourselves as we unpack this Father God we thank you um, for Bill and for what he is bringing to share with us from what you have spoken to him Father we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you to hear what you're saying to us individually and as a family together God, would you speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Don't know how you'd feel. It's uh, the day after my induction, and uh, I'm given uh, Joel 3 to preach on as my first uh, Sunday sermon as your minister. Judgment. Who wants to talk, you know, about judgment? It's not a popular or an easy theme. But here's a connected word 
to judgment, justice. There's a word I think which we are often just instinctively more comfortable with. The idea of God bringing justice. And yet, God bringing justice and God bringing judgment are actually intimately connected. I don't know, just thinking about uh, recent days, it has been very high profile, the idea of courts seeking to pronounce judgments in ways which actually deeply shape the way our nation is. And the essence of bringing judgments across the board is actually seeking in, in various ways to right wrongs. That's kind of what the justice system is about. Imperfect as it is, it is about recognizing that something is wrong. It might be in a criminal sense, it might be in, in some civil sense, but, but something is wrong. And actually trying to do something to, to put that right, to, to put life back in a proper order. So I think we, we quite like the idea of justice, even if we struggle sometimes with the idea of judgment. But let's actually look here in Joel 3 and find out actually what is this justice and judgment about, at least in part, just verse 3. They cast lots for my people, traded boys for prostitutes, they sold girls for wine that they might drink. When we talk about human trafficking in the sex trade, which this is talking about. <laughs> when you're talking about people doing things which are massively destructive of people's lives because they're in the grip of an addiction, which might well be also what this is. They sell girls for wine that they might drink. It, it has quite a contemporary feel, even for all the kind of Old Testament names and things which are less familiar. Hmm. Here we have accounts of people being crushed. And God saying, I'm bringing justice. I'm bringing judgment. I think we cry out, for justice and I think we sometimes can begin to see that actually God putting things right God's salvation is actually connected with God's justice and with judgment these things are not completely separate and they're not actually 
Uh, sometimes salvation and judgment can sort of seem like opposites, and in some ways they are. But in other ways, they can actually be following this same path. It's about God putting things right. God taking a broken world which crushes people and God stepping in and saying, not on my watch. Not here. Not to my people. So judgment and restoration, which is the big uh, sort of title. They're not exactly the same, but they are more connected than we sometimes think. Hmm. Of course, the cross speaks of God's judgment on sin. We can't sidestep the issue of judgment as a reality. But it makes us nervous. One of the reasons, of course, it makes us nervous is that uh, we are not at all confident, with good reason, that when judgment and justice come, we're going to be on the right side. (laughs) I mean, that's where the rub comes, you know. We, we, we want justice over there, but <laughs> leave me out of it. I, I, I'd rather not you shine the light on the darkest recesses of my life. Thank you very much. In Amos, one of the other prophets of the Old Testament, you have the people of God longing for the day of the Lord. They say, oh, yes, bring the day of reckoning. Bring the day of reckoning, Lord. And Amos says, you really don't want to be shouting that one. That, you know, you don't want to have that on your placard. Because actually, judgment's going to come on you. And it's here in Joel as well. Joel is a book which actually has lots about the judgment coming on God's people. The locusts destroying the land. So what are we to take from this as we reflect on this passage? I I want to say several things. I want to say this. You can't read Joel 3, you can't read, you can't read the prophets, any of them really, without coming to the conclusion, God is not to be trifled God is not to be trifled with. Even though he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that this certainly in the Old Testament, this is a, a repeated refrain. It's, it's there in Exodus in Numbers, in Psalms, and in Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When your hearts and not your garments return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. 
This idea of God being slow to anger and abounding in love is repeated again and again, often in the Old Testament, in many places. He doesn't rush to judgment. He is patient, that word is used in the New Testament about God's judgment. He's patient. But he's not to be trifled with. And a path is made available where there is repentance. That's clear from Joel 2. I know I'm not preaching on Joel 2. Well, I am actually, but I know that wasn't the reading. But in this respect, it says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Judgment's not inevitable, but it's not to be trifled. Another theme here is that God is stepping in on behalf of his people. I think within Joel, there's probably a collective sigh of relief. Actually, in Joel 3, God is coming in judgment, but it's not a loss. It's not the story of the whole book of Joel. It is the story of Joel 3. Actually, I've got a judgment still, but he's saying, the way you've been treated, I'm stepping in on your behalf. No basis for complacency, but, but thank goodness God is, if God's coming in judgment on, on this occasion, it's, it's he's coming to put right things, which isn't so much under the glare, but those who are wronging us. That's the story of Joel 3. In those days, at that time, when I restored the fortunes, I'll gather the nations. I'll enter into judgment against them concerning my people, concerning what they've done to you. God is for his people. Genesis uh, chapter 12. When he's calling Abraham, when he's calling Abraham, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But there is this sense in which God says, I'm not to be trifled with, yes, but also my people. My people are not to be trifled with. My people are not to be abused. I'll bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And the other big theme here, or another big theme, is is the theme of hope. Theme of hope. It's been there in various parts of Joel, despite the army of locusts destroying the land. 
despite all these destructive things which have happened and maybe are happening to God's people at this moment. God is still good. It's difficult to say. I was having this conversation actually with somebody yesterday. Just bad things happening. But God's still good. It's hard to say. It's hard to believe sometimes. But it's true and it's here saying locusts may have swarms, but God is still good. And we have the book ending with, now let's choose verse 18. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine. The hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of acacias. This image of abundant life that even in the face of of the hardest of times God is saying I've got a future for you there is even in this place of desolation I've still got purposes and they are good purposes and they are just purposes hold on hold on I am good. I bring justice and I bring abundance of life. It is kind of poetic language of restoration and abundance. But even here, even here we find echoes of judgment. Because Following on from verse 18, it's verse 19. Got a math so level and everything. But Egypt will be desolate. Edom, a desert waste, because of the violence done to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. There is a great contrast between the abundance, the the land flowing with milk, (laughs) dripping with wine, and another land, a desert waste. There is a picture here of huge contrast, huge contrast. And I think it's probably a contrast as stark as the one we find in Joel 2, verse 3. It says, before them, talking about the locust swarm, before them, fire devours. Behind them, a flame blazes. Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. So on the day of the Lord, one of the themes of Joel, on the day of the Lord, there is division. And I have to say, you want to be on the right side on that division. Division between abundance 
and desolation. Both pictures are there as pictures of the future. In Joel 3.13, we find these words, swing the sickle, the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full, and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Not a traditional harvest festival verse. The harvest is saying, what's growing here is evil and injustice. And it will be judged. The wine press is full. And the wine press is so often in the Old Testament seen as an image of God's wrath. The wine of God's wrath. But listen to these words from Matthew's Gospel. You'll have heard them before. But listen to them as you hear of the winepress of God's wrath, as it were. Matthew 26, I'm going to read verses 39 and 42. And it's Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then later he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Those two verses are not actually quite identical. He says, you know, I don't want this cup. But he then later says, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, then I'll drink it. And I think it is the cup of God's wrath. We have one who, when we come to him, drains to the dregs the cup of wrath for us, takes it into himself and goes to the cross. So God has good plans. Even when we're walking the darkest path, when we repent before him and bring to the sun our sin, which he bears, he drinks and takes into himself judgment of God until the cup of wrath is emptied. Our God is not to be trifled with, but he provides a way. He provides a way for each and every one to come back to him and not face the worst our sins deserve. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God of justice. And thank you that you are a God of love. And thank you for Jesus. 
our saviour who rescues us from death. Thank you, Lord. Amen.